Welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark, and with me again is Sanford Clark. Hey, how's it going? Good, sir. How are you? Hey, doing great. So this episode today is what we call a crossover, where it's going to be with the Hold'em Maneuver. So you already have half the Hold'em Maneuver right here. <laughs> That's right. And here's the, the, other, the other half other, is eating right here. Yeah, the other, other half. Uh, so this episode is episode, what is it, 105 geez, of Animation Fascination. <laughs> uh, this is going to be about the Star Wars Visions Volume 2, uh, which was released on May the 4th earlier uh, this month. Uh, this is the, so as can be seen in the volume, it's the second volume of Visions. Uh, this this one covered, whereas volume one was purely anime and was just animation from Japan, uh, this second volume uh, was a little bit more global where it was like India, South Africa. Uh, we had uh, Ireland, England in there as well. Spain, uh, Chile, uh, South Korea, uh, France, uh, Japan uh, did do another one for this one too, and I believe that was it. So South Africa, Japan, India, France, South Korea, UK, Chile, Ireland, and Spain. Um, yeah, so there's a nine total episodes for this one overall. Uh, but before we get into to talking about that, uh, we do have uh, just a, a few things this week that we we're going to touch on quickly before we uh, talked about Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Uh, it's not going to be as, as long as like a normal animation fascination episode. We do have just like one news article that I kind of wanted just to get like everyone's kind of general ideas of. Uh, and it was actually, I believe it was uh, within the past few days or so is that, which like Stanford and I talked uh, like a few months ago when uh, Zaslav over at Warner Brothers uh, decided to start taking a bunch of uh, different TV series and films off of HBO Max. Well, formerly known as HBO Max at that point, now just Max. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, kind of, I remember us kind of talking about it being a worrying, hopeful, not trend to it, which uh, right now with the writer strike going on too, this is also like one of the things that they're, all the writers are, are kind of like fighting for with like residual pay with stuff like this. Um, so, and that's, that's seemingly why, like, at least now both uh, with HBO Max and then now Disney Plus, uh, a lot of this stuff has been taken off to effectively not have to pay, like, the residuals or, like, the licensing for the, these different TV series. And, like, some of it's crazy, too. Like, and specifically with the Disney Plus stuff, it's all of, like, Everything that was removed was Disney Plus original content. Original content from when they launched in 2019, yeah. Yeah, like outside of like Marvel or, or Star Wars content stuff. So right, like, but movies and you know and series, right? That yeah, like like uh, Brian Cranston posted about like the one and only Ivan film that he was in that was supposed to go to theaters, but because of the pandemic, was released on Disney Plus. That's now just kind of erased from existence. Yeah, like you can't you can't even buy it on itunes or anywhere else digitally uh tv like the willow tv series that was only added on there six months ago yeah they pulled was it. already taken off uh the making of that was also taken off like mighty ducks game changers uh was taken off there too so that's gonna make uh you and i talking about mighty ducks 
eventually on movies yeah. past and present a little bit more difficult standard right um we won't be able to talk about the series <laughs> less, i mean we can we'll just fun. we just won't be able to rewatch it yeah re- remember yeah. everything there's but, a way <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean that's we're not going to tell anybody where but people know uh <laughs> that's what's gonna lead it to is like a lot a lot of people having to find other ways to watch this stuff like i i hadn't been able to finish willow yet i had two episodes left so i don't know what i do now um and i i just it, i don't know it just bums me out and it it at least for me um restates the importance of physical media because at least with physical media like if they had if they had released like say like season one or two of game changers on like dvd even just even if it was just dvd like the like the bare minimum standard definition thing there would still be like a way that you could go and maybe even go get it from like your library and bring Mm -hmm. it home and watch it uh but there's there's like not even a way to do that so um but like maybe going back to that you never know yeah because people are getting fed up with everything the streaming platforms are doing yeah it just bumps me out like i like again too like when you buy stuff when you buy stuff digitally you're more long-term leasing it because they can always just they can just get removed yeah so i don't know um and i know like some stuff they people kind of uh, like fans kind of like bullied uh, the studio into keeping on there at like the, what was it? It was, uh, Oh, the Howard, Howard uh, Ashman documentary. Yeah. Howard Ashman documentary. They, they got them to keep that on there. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping they, I, I don't know. I just hope that they put the stuff back on there too. Cause and like like another one of the the shows was prop culture. Um, like I don't know if either of you watched I it, but oh, I, I love prop culture, and I was wishing that there would be more episodes, but clearly there weren't, and now it's been pulled, you know, yeah. for the time being. So, uh, how yeah. permanent do you think this is? I mean, do you think? I mean, truly, do we think that we're never going to see these shows ever again, or is Disney going to figure out some way to if people wanted to buy a physical media version of it, or? Or are they, or could they rotate it, you know, in, in into the in and out of the service every once in a while? What's your take on that? Does the term Disney Vault mean anything? Well, exactly. No, I'm with you, Mike. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, and just... I remember that distinctly as a kid. You know, I mean, we didn't have access to everything all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you you know you buy it on VHS or whatnot, but uh, then they'd pull they'd pull those off the shelves, right? And they'd it'd be gone yeah. for a few years, and, but, then bring, and then they'd bring it back, maybe in a different format. At least yep. if you grabbed it within that that window of time that you had to go and grab it to bring it home, yeah, you, you had then it. had it while it was in the vault before it came back. So I what don't know. you'll see is uh, premium level memberships become a thing, where you get everything, no matter what, but you have to pay like gobs more money per month than the. Because you'll have the commercial base one where it's not ad free for the cheapest. Then you'll have a tier above that, tier above that. And then they'll have like the platinum level where it's like you get everything. There's no, Even if we take it down from the other ones. Hulu's been kind of doing that for which years. Is, which Hulu was actually part of this too because Disney owns like two thirds like, of Disney. So yeah, like a lot of stuff percent. was also taken off of Hulu as well. And it was all, all 
Hulu originals for that too. So it was like Future Man, uh, a bunch of other like Hulu original stuff too. I'm surprised like Solar Opposites didn't get taken off of there. Uh, but I don't know. It's. I wish they would uh, release more of a reason why because cost cutting maneuvers really is just yeah. a cop out. I think but, they're, yeah, I agree. The lack of communication with subscribers, I think, has been lousy. And yeah. maybe they've let some media outlets know or some, you know, bloggers, or whatever, that how we've been getting this news, right? But that's been unfortunate. You know, another black eye for Disney. And then also, it's just everybody's ticked. I mean, you know, you can't go on Twitter without people being pissed about this, you know? And, and uh, you know, who can blame them? But Although, to be fair, people on Twitter are always pissed about every, <laughs> yeah. one, one thing or I mean, every that's the thing. I mean, it's Twitter, right? It's just yeah. that's, the, that's the nature of it. Cool. But, but still, uh, yeah, I, I'm i hoping that they're going to put out some kind of a solution or something that will, will, will work for people. I mean, I don't want you to be a jerk either because I'm, I'm kind of – I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about this. I mostly don't feel good about it, but like – because like here you are, Mark. You know you're like Willow. Willow hasn't been out for very long, and it got pulled, and that's a shame. Yeah. But what about like one of those Disney Plus like Star Girl or something like one of those you know Disney Plus original movies? When yeah. was the last time anybody mm-hmm. watched it? You know, and um, I don't know. Or all those crappy Disney Junior cartoons. Yes. Nobody watches. When does it, yeah? When was the last time everybody watched those? Uh, but still, uh, you know, it's it's a tough one. Unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, Sylvie <laughs> had had that to say about Sylvie's it. Sylvie's <laughs> not happy either. <laughs> she was like, "They better not take Loki off there." Yeah, like, don't remove Loki. You don't. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Because well, season two is in that coming out soon. Yeah, later this year. Like there, there was a interview. That I remember Bob Iger had yes. done, like a month or maybe two months or so ago, where he was like talking about like maybe like reincorporating physical media. So maybe if if that's what if they're taking if like the, if the stuff they're taking off of there right now is like this is like their new way that they do. Maybe they have like a Disney streaming vault where they take it off of streaming and they put it on physical media, and then when they put it in physical media vault it then goes back into streaming so that way it's always technically not like vaulted but it is always available in one medium or or not not medium but one format or the other yeah but they're probably that, working on a whatever's after blu-ray and they're gonna release it all on that ultra 4k <laughs> yeah ultra ultra 8k <laughs> ultra 8k <laughs> 16k that's right 32k 64 planted in your head. Yeah, you get a little contact that you put in, put in there, and you just watch it Google while you're glass. walking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ahead yeah, of its time. Exactly. Uh, I, 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 I just don't. I, I mean, what is the solution? And what do what do the fans want? I mean, if, if they if they made a, a way to buy, you know, a disc. Amazon does it. Like Amazon, you can buy. Your digital content, it never comes down really. I've had stuff on there for like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and like, even with like Netflix, some of their shows get released uh, physically, like Umbrella Academy still gets released on Blu ray. Uh, like Orange is the New Black, I remember, would get released on DVD. So it's, 
there is and like like daredevil when that was on uh netflix that and some of the other shows from there would get released on blu-ray so there is a precedent for the streaming services to release their content physically so i don't know hopefully maybe eventually we'll get all like the mcu series physically and like mando and Andor and and all of that physically as well too so um I guess I guess we shall see. Uh, speaking of that, uh, there was a few. Speaking of Warner Brothers and Disney, uh, there was uh, like a few trailers that they released recently. Now, did did you guys get to watch uh, any any of these trailers that have come out recently at all? There was the there's a trailer for Secrets of the Mogwai. Uh, there's a Tiny Toons Luniversity. Uh, one and then there was also uh, Disney's uh, Wish, uh, they released a teaser trailer for now. With the uh, Secrets of the Mogwai one, the they've keep kept keep they've kept showing the uh, kind of like little snippets and whatnot of this and. What I found is interesting, at least about like the new trailer for it, it would like went more into like the the gizmo is uh, essentially from another dimension, uh, yeah. and in, in the new in that new series, it's uh, like the sh- the shopkeeper we met in the first movie. Uh, Tim is like a little kid and his like adventures with Gizmo, and I, I've seen people uh, comment on like Gizmo's name even being Gizmo in that because it was supposed to be that. Uh, in the first Gremlins movie that the dad gave that name to Gizmo because he made Gizmos. So that's why he named Gizmo Gizmo. Um, <laughs> they're just keeping it for yeah. So, so yeah, so they're just like kind of retconning, retconning his name. By the same people who made um, a red Pixar Red. Oh, what was the name of that? Oh, Turning Red. Turning Red. Yeah, Turning Red. Because the animation looks. Oh, maybe not them. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Like a like similar a similar kind of influence and style. Yeah. That I'm not sure. Uh, I know, like, like with the, it, like Joe Dante, who directed Gremlins, is uh, the director of the the series. So that'll be cool. Uh, and then Matthew Reese uh, is doing a voice in it. Ming-Na Wen is the voice. James Hong, B.D. Wong. Uh, and then uh, Sandra O oh is also doing a voice. Randall Park, George Takai. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is that Zach Galligan is doing a voice who played Billy in like the original Gremlins movie and uh, Gremlins 2. So that's making me like wonder is he playing Billy again? And then like, what's the framing for the show going to be if he is in it again as Billy, which I thought could be like a somehow, whatever they do with that to see, I thought that might be like interesting. Um, But this is on HBO max now, finally, or sorry, max (laughs) it's on max now, finally too. So like you can go and watch uh, the series. I'll probably, talk about it here in a few weeks yeah because uh, i haven't seen i haven't watched it yet march you know are they did they 
are they doing a binge you know uh watching approach are they releasing uh, an episode a week or I, I i don't know i have said i haven't been out there to see it. i've seen that, the trailer but I, I yeah it looks like at least the first two are out so okay. never, never get them wet and never feed them after midnight. <laughs> that's right <laughs> or remember like the that. first two <laughs> remember that now this one, looney tunes one though that's new to me too dude i i have not Sorry, I haven't seen that trailer either. I've seen the one oh, for, yeah. for Wish, but I haven't seen the one for... Uh, I I know that uh, people, again, were getting upset like about... Uh, or no, no, not people were getting upset, but for Gremlins, I'm hoping in that show that they also put some parameters on those rules that we already know too. It's like, you can't feed them after midnight. Okay, but when can you start feeding them again? Mm-hmm. Because technically, every time, every hour in in a day is technically after midnight. The poor so, things, they're going to starve. Yeah. Because, <laughs> right. like, you, you just can't feed them while it's dark outside. Right. Is, is that it? Um, but yeah, like the, the Tiny Toons Luniversity one is, is interesting uh, just because, with like that one, it's kind of like the same thing that like uh, Hulu did uh, with the Animaniacs where they kind of rebooted a an older series uh, and then brought it back so like with this it's, it's kind of like a sequel to tiny tunes like what we uh like what would have been on tv like what was it like mid 90s late 90s <laughs> yeah on uh, like this is just looks like tiny tunes yeah, yeah. so it's, it's instead of like them in high school it's like now they're in college in this uh, it's, it's, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I did see that there was, there's like some, uh, discourse, I guess, on, like we were talking about earlier with Twitter, uh, there's some discourse on Twitter with, uh, Babs and, um, was it, and Buster's like kind of relationship in the, the Luniversity because, I thought they were brother and sister, to be honest. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, yeah, they are. So, like, in, in the Luniversity, they, it was uh, basically giving them kind of Game, and Th- Game of Thrones uh, brother and sister vibes. Oh, dear. It's <laughs> been uh, 30 years. Let them just change their relationship. Or Luke and Leia. George Lucas had in episode had one that, uh... or episode four and five brother and sister vibes. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, uh, but that'll be out soon too, as well. And then the the last one was for Disney's Wish, uh, and so Sanford, you said you got to see this trailer. Mike, did you watch the trailer to Wish yet? Mm-mm. Right. What no, I'm behind on lots of stuff. No worries. What did you <laughs> think of the, the trailer, Sanford? You know, um, I guess I thought it was okay. I mean, I didn't hate it, but. For some reason, I'm just really worried about this movie. <laughs> I don't know the concept. It seems pretty high concept, which isn't a bad thing. I'm really interested. It looks like they're using some different animation styles throughout, and so I'm interested in seeing that because uh, I think you know Disney typically just does such beautiful animation. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm worried about the story, and just kind of generally worried about the future of Disney animation. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't feel very optimistic. So, I guess 
I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, cautiously hopeful that it's going to be good, but I can't say that this trailer just really sold me on it. Oh, good. Uh, the other the other thing uh, with it for me is I do like them like going a little bit differently stylistically with how all the film like because years ago we got Paper Man where it was like done in like that kind of mixed like hybrid of like the hand drawn with the CG animation. Uh, where it looks like, at least with Wish, it might be the first time they've do- they're doing that. They're with, like a, doing a, some of that, yeah. Uh, a feature, yeah. So I'm I, I am about curious that. to see what they're going to do. I know that they're they're meant to be hiding like a bunch of like Easter eggs to like the like the hundred years of uh, like Disney within yeah. the film, and it's like it's supposed to be like a tribute to the wishing star that you've seen in every, a lot, not every, but most other disney animated films. and many yeah kind of like the origin right of the wishing star yeah, yeah. so it it'll be interesting to uh to see how that film does um and then just to see as far as like what the final version of the story is going to be in that movie um i'm excited to see whatever that that final version of that movie is when it comes out too so uh but the last thing before we get into talking about Star Wars Visions is uh, for recommendations uh, this week. I was just going to recommend um, there's a Star Wars Visions Volume 2 featurette that was released. I was just going to recommend that people check that out too. So after that, you've watched all of Star Wars Visions Volume 2 to check that out and like, kind of see like the behind the scenes and making of uh, Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Each so, episode has its own as well. So yeah, there's there's like a comp, kind of a compilation one, and then I, I loved, I really enjoyed. I was able to watch all of those too, and thought they were very cool. So, I good good call, Mark, on that. All good. And then, so from there, we will begin our main topic this week, which is for Star Wars Visions Volume Two, which, uh, like we said, was released on May the fourth earlier this month because uh, as we record this it is monday may 29th memorial day in the u.s uh so star wars visions volume two uh this one now did you guys you both watch uh, you guys watch volume one of it as well i did yeah not all, i don't think i watched all of them but i did watch some of them yeah i watched all of them okay I remember the uh, one where what did like, you... there's a punk band singing for Jabba the Hutt, but oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in that one. Um, but yeah, so now the the thing I, I was, said this to my wife earlier too was that with this one, uh, I like anime, and I like, that's, but with this one, I liked the kind of variation of animation styles. Um, from all over the world so like from like the different countries saw with this so i liked that there's a little bit more variation uh in storytelling and um styles and and just like the like different animation studios from across the world with this uh now for the episodes there was nine of them again so with this one there was Sith, uh, which was the the short from Spain, uh, which was done by El Guillermo 
Studios. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I took I took French in high school. Uh, Screechers Reach, which was done by uh, one of our favorite animation studios, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland. Uh, there was also In the Stars, which was done by Punk Robot from Chile. Uh, I'm Your Mother, uh, done by another one of our favorite animation studios with Ardman Animations in the UK. Uh, Journey to the Darkhead, which was done by Studio Mur Co. Limited uh, from South Korea. Uh, there's the Spy Dancer, which was done by Studio uh, Cachette from France. Uh, there is the Bandits of Galak, which was 88 Pictures from India. Uh, there was the Pit from Diar Shetejo, uh, uh, which was Lucasfilm and uh, them doing that from Japan and the U.S. And then uh, Ayo's Song, um, which was done by Triggerfish from South Africa. Uh, now, before we get into the talking about each of them, I was just going to ask everybody, like, what what of the episodes, like, which ones were your favorite out of the nine that, that we got to watch? Uh, Mike and then Stanford, and then I'll go. Spy Dancer, uh, what is the Spy Dancer, I suppose, from uh, France, and In the Stars from Chile were the ones that uh, stuck out the most to me. Nice. The pit is uh it's up there, but it was it was very dark, so I don't know. I guess I could say it was one of my favorite ones because it also resonated, but it is very dark and disturbing take on the Empire, which we kind of probably should have known they did stuff like that. Yeah. How about you, Stanford? So uh my two were uh Screech's Reach from Carnage Saloon and then I Am Your Mother from Ardman. And as you nice. mentioned, I think Part of it just because I I love these animation studios and I'm more most familiar with them. Some of these other studios I had heard of before, but uh, this game doesn't mean anything. And I, I I enjoyed watching all of them, but I, the ones that stood out to me were Screech's Reach and I'm Your Mother. Nice, uh, yeah. So for for me, uh, my favorites were also Screech's Reach, uh, which if people are watching this on YouTube, that's the where this image is from. That's our background in this. Uh, I'm Your Mother uh, by Ardman, uh, which is what I use for our thumbnail for this, if you're watching it again on <laughs> YouTube. Uh, Spy Dancer, I liked that one a lot, too. Uh, it, I had to double check to see if it was, it's because I, I was wondering if it was the same animation studio that did like Ernest and Celestine. So it was kind of like that watercolor looking animation style, which <clears throat> I know that Ernest and Celestine was also another film that was made in France. But it doesn't look like it was. It is the same animation studio that did. Uh, they worked on uh, Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal, though. So if you've seen that, it's like that same animation yeah. kind of styling from that as well, too. I did. Uh, now, I, I kind of already said it with this, but I liked uh, like in all of these, like dependent on like which country made them, how you could see the different like cultural influences from uh, those different countries, like embedded within like their own takes on mm -hmm. star Wars within it, which I thought was really cool. Like, especially I really liked the blending of like India uh, with star Wars within in the, the bandits. Of yeah, I thought that, that was, really one was cool. cool. I felt the same, same thing, Mark. I felt like I was watching like, you know, a Bollywood movie or something that it was the star mm -hmm. Wars, you know, uh, star yeah. Wars themed uh, really. Yeah. That was, this kind of world cinema Star Wars, I thought was right. was really interesting. 
it, it helps add to the Star Wars lexicon because we can only have so many American takes on this world that exists. So having the other countries put their spin on it just adds to it and helps you just helps build an appreciation of how vast this galaxy George Lucas attempted to create yeah. truly yeah. has become. I'm with you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so I guess to, we can kind of start with the, the first one and go through to the end. So the first one was Sith, uh, which was El Guerre Studios from Spain. That one was interesting too, with like the styling for that. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, like if you've ever seen someone like play around with like painting and, and VR, it it was kind of like a short based off like that concept where it was like where it was like a lot of uh, paint strokes and whatnot in it for like the way that like the styling for that one was done, but it was like within like this 3D space. So I thought it was very interesting for that. Uh, and the, the, that one had some pretty impressive visuals to it that I thought as well too. It's the one that they used for a lot of the like the marketing, like at least the like promotions. The, uh, the yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of that one? Jackson Pollock meets Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, was, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. No, it was. I was the first thing I thought was like they just. The animation they chose just did not expect. I think, yeah, I, I enjoyed the animation probably more than I enjoyed the story, but it's it was just really kind of mind bending in that in the behind the scenes little you know the featurette and the extras yeah. uh, about this one, they showed a lot of different things. You know, again, truly behind the scenes, and one of them which I thought was interesting. They had some kind of glass or a, you know glass vessel with clear liquid in it and then they were dropping paint in it so it like kind of formed these all these kind of interesting shapes in the in the liquid i don't i mean maybe it was water it was clear whatever it was but uh anyway i think they were doing some really experimental stuff Mm -hmm. and i and and good for them i thought it was interesting i i I enjoyed watching you make a good point that i was gonna bring up later but i might as well do it now because it's on my mind with this i felt watching them i was like there's a fine line they're walking between being like, okay, this is all about animation. This is all about story. Like, which yeah. one has sway? And it's like a fine line they're walking to. If it became too much about animation, like, you're just like in awe of that, but you just forget the rest. Yes. Like, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And some of them were more successful, I think, in, in both mm-hmm. ends. Like, some were really cool animation and not great story, like Sith for me. Uh, others. I think kind of walk that fine line a little more successfully. Mm-hmm. I think the ones we all picked as our favorite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like going into uh cartoon saloon screecher. Yeah. Screechers reach. Say that five times fast. Uh, mm-hmm. That one I thought was really freaky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess. Well, so creepy. But it, fantastic. it was unexpectedly dark. Like, <laughs> Which is is kind of like Cartoon Saloon's mo. Like they they pull you in with like this very beautiful um, kind of folksy, like Celtic folksy stylized animation, and then and then they do some like really dark 
toned stuff mm-hmm. within the in their films. Uh, so, so like if people haven't ever seen like Secret of the Kells, uh, or or like any of the other films that they've done, like there's yeah, Wolfwalker. Yeah, Wolfwalkers. Uh, yeah, Wolfwalkers. Yeah. What was the the other one? The Beyond, um, Beyond the Sea. It was that under. It was that uh, something with the sea. Song of yeah. the Sea. So yeah, Song of the Sea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all like they're like similar like in tone to this too. So I don't know. I guess why I was surprised, but uh, like in this, it starts off very lighthearted, and then the way that it ends, I was like, Ooh, "Oh, had to do what she had to do." <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I believe that was the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which usually, like in in the story, you're like, "Oh, okay, that's like it's like the hero's journey," but it was in this, it was the Sith's journey. Yeah, uh, that was so interesting, you know, because I watched, I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, it was kind of it was like the end of the day, when, you know, later in the evening, and I was watching. It, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like you know, Empire Strikes Back and Luke going into the cave," which it is, but kind of like, yeah. but it's a Sith cave. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't quite realize it until. I mean, I thought what was going on with that old lady was pretty dark, and then mm. holy cow, when uh, the Sith mother shows up, I just thought, oh my gosh, what is what is, <laughs> what is this thing? I mean, that's that one of the reasons why I liked it is because they really took that into such a different direction. Um, yeah, and, what and did, another great thing they did, they introduced the word arse to Star Wars. Lexus. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, always yeah. happy when they, yes. they do stuff like that. Uh, Andor gave us some swear words this past year, <laughs> and then Star Wars Visions gave us some more swear words. Some more swear words. The galaxy yep. far, far away. Uh, what What was some of the stuff you liked about the the behind the scenes and making of stuff for this one, Sanford? Well, I I like just how they described their process because. Really, they were going off of that part of of the Empire Strikes Back when you know Luke goes into the cave, and and uh, they were just thinking about some other ways to look at it, or some maybe some other type of things that could happen within you know Star Wars. In that, uh, you know, like the character, the main character, trying to find a doll, I believe is is her name. Trying to find yeah. find a way out of, of of a kind of a miserable existence. Uh, I mean, she's got this found family with the with those you know loyal friends, but to pick you know going to uh, the dark side, you know, getting trained in the dark side is was you know they, I think they they toyed around and thought that would be an interesting choice, and I and I agree with them. They they didn't I they talked they seemed to talk more about the story. Than the art, but they did. Talk, but the art was cool. I think they did talk because the again their their interpretation of of kind of a you know a Star Wars uh, planet was uh, yeah. was I, I thought great. It had some really wonderful visuals in, in it nice. too. But it's really about the story. Nice. And then with uh, the next one after that was in the stars, uh, which was the the Chile short. Uh, and then, Mike, you said this one was one of your. I liked this yeah. one too. I, 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 I liked it too. If it was stop motion when I was watching it, or if it was like CG I'm, done to look like stop motion. I just like the story. I believe story it was CG d- done to look like stop motion, but I could be wrong based on you know, on the behind the scenes. But you know, okay. I might have mis- misinterpreted that. Yeah, I 
like what you're saying, like I, I did like the story on this one a lot as well too. Uh, with, uh, like with this Still one, liked I liked too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I liked in in this one, like like the kind of I like like the storytelling that was done with both, like with like the painting, like on on the rocks, and then with. The, the sister relationship in there too. Like so it was like some of the stuff that, that you liked in that as well, Mike. The the storytelling with the rocks, the fact that the star, like they like them like that's their mother, I believe it was. And like the whole thing was we want to get our mother back. So they had to like defeat the Empire, which again, like a lot of the stuff I liked about the ones I watched were painting depths of just terribleness that the empire is like the fact that they went to this planet destroyed it and when the people rose up they're like this is your planet but they're our resources like go away just like we don't care about you we're just here to get what we want and it doesn't matter just the fact that that was like the first instance in this series the volume I should say where like they started building depth of evil and I was like I'm always, I always love a good villain story. I'm a sucker for one. So have, adding those dimensions, just I was like, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> on top of that, the animation didn't deter from like the story, so I wasn't like focused on that the whole time. I couldn't tell if her bow staff was supposed to be like a lightsaber bow staff. I know. I was wondering about that too, Mike. So yeah. I was cool. I, I like the weapon. And it just. And I was just surprised how they like defeated the, the one base and restored everything. So I was oh, just yeah. like confused by like how grand this base was, but it was a good chase sequence too throughout the factory. Yeah. But uh, the story, the visual storytelling, the overall storytelling was great in it. This reminded me, I was like Lilo and Stitch by way of Star Wars minus Stitch. <laughs> and plus the force. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, it reminded me of both the like the like Lilo and her her older sister's kind of relationship dynamic from uh, from like from Lilo and Stitch. So, um, but yeah, like and I also go ahead. ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say I I liked again like with this like the like the visual uh, storytelling and like the production design with this one as far as like from from Chile um, and like how the characters were designed in this because it I don't recognize like the alien like like this species, species of aliens that was in this so i don't know if we have ever necessarily seen them before like within a star wars film or a tv show uh but i thought like the design for everything in that was really cool i even liked like with like the tie fighters in this how like how, almost like they looked like they were made of like i don't know like paper mache or like wood or something it was a cool yeah, like interpretation cool. and design uh, for I'd be like, a surprise if the empire there. was cheap and used paper mache to build their <laughs> spaceships. <right>. Jerks. <laughs> I mean, who's who's to say what ILM made the original Tie Fighters <laughs> out of back in the? That's the 70s, true. So. But they used uh, model car parts. Don't you remember? They glued all those on the sides of cardboard or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, another thing that light magic. Yeah, thing that I liked, and it started with everyone's least favorite trilogy, uh, the pr- sequel trilogy, is the ability to like 
how strong the force can be on bigger objects. Like Ray grabs that ship that's, that she thinks has Chewie or whatever on it. I can't remember exactly what. Oh yeah. And then in Obi Wan, he like gets all those boulders up and starts throwing those. Grogu builds that shield. Like they're expanding and how big you can be with the force. And they did it again in this, which was I just think it's better. Like I like that instead of subtle. To, like you have the subtle things they do, and then it's like how powerful they can be. Yeah. I'm a real sucker when this like that happens. I love it. You know, when when those sisters came together and mm-hmm. really used the force. That was cool. Yeah. Uh so and then like the, the next one after this, or no, was there anything in the, the making up for this one, Stanford, that stood out to you no. too? You know, um I just I love I loved how they they just spent a lot of time interviewing the filmmakers, you know, the directors and whatnot. And the Lucasfilm people were there, you know, would, would chime in a bit, but it really highlights these local people, and I, I loved it. Uh, in that, I just like with this in particular one, you know, these people talk about individually how much Star Wars has meant to them, and then for the chance to get to work on a project like this, you know, just is so meaningful. And and all they all have really cool stories. And I thought that the director of the, this one, you know, the the Chilean director, uh, had a meaningful story and and again just to see these such talented people uh being so happy about working on a cool project mm-hmm. often the thing they would say was like this has been like the best year of our lives you know you see <laughs> as i recall that's one of the quotes they're talking about with, with the with the chilean team they just loved it you know we're being able to do this project and um anyway so again this one was i think it was worth checking out nice so, and then the next one after that was Ardman Animations, uh, I Am Your Mother, which I think this one was probably the one that had the most Easter eggs kind of peppered. Yeah, as you say, it was it. loaded with Easter eggs. <laughs> Wedge yeah. and Tilly's. Uh, yeah, like Wedge and Tilly's straight up, yeah, like being in it. Yes. Uh, like one of like the, the ships having like a little mini tiny Death Star on it, like shooting a, a, a laser from it. I love that. And then just like when I they were walking. When they were walking through the shops, you could see like wood carvings of like porgs in there. Uh, there's like all, a lot of other little tiny like stuff. Yeah. Like sketch. I think I wanted to say that the main character in this, uh, like they had posters up in their house, um, where uh, and it was also funny that she was a young pilot named Annie, um, mm-hmm. Anakin. But it's uh, but, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They had a poster in their house that looked like it was Harris and Dula, uh, which would make sense too because with the, the, the mother, race, wasn't it? yeah, with the mother and daughter being um, both Trelix as well. Yeah, I thought it was cool that that they had like a little uh, Hera, Syndulla in there. Uh, I oh, there I think there was a Max Rebo thing that I saw in there too that was like a little Easter egg to Max Rebo. I think uh, I saw that too. I I'm, I want to go back and rewatch, and I probably will pause. You know, <laughs> some of those crowded shots where I think they where they planted a lot of uh, you know a lot of the Easter eggs. What and now with with them uh, with this one, Mike? What was like some of your favorite stuff from the, uh, from I Am Your Mother? Hmm. I just like the comedy aspect. It's, I'm always clamoring for more comedic stuff in Star Wars. Because we all have the serious stuff, we all know that story, yeah. and a lot of what visions are like that's why Spy Dancer kind of was my, up high on my list. Was it shows you like 
what the normal people like who aren't involved really are doing. Like, yes, they're training for the rebellion or they're like secretly in the rebellion, but there's a day-to-day life aspect of it where it's like, oh, like it's more tangential. Like I can relate to that. I can't relate to wielding a lightsaber as much as I want to. Like, yeah. But, and then I laughed too hard when the mini Death Star popped up. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I do. Another <laughs> question I have is like, is all animation in the UK Wallace and Gromit like style? Well, oh, I guess at least from Ardman it is. Ardman. Um, yeah, but yeah, like that was another thing that in this reminded me of like some past Ardman stuff was uh, like when one of the uh, Annie's friends in it was like saying something bad about like the, like the like the antagonist in this this short, and that they start to say something, and the Wookiee in it says whatever they're going to say, which I'm assuming is going to be some kind of a swear. And it, so it reminded me of um, like the older Ardman animations, Creature Comforts shorts, uh, where it's like those kind of uh, things that they did there. Um, and then just they, they always like with the Ardman stuff, they always do kind of like 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 the cheeky humor in it too. If like like as her mom is landing, he's like all of the laundry that's falling, and the first thing he sees like a, a bra that's falling down, which that that now goes against what Carrie Fisher said about mm-hmm. with, with Princess Leia because yeah because yeah she was like oh they don't they don't have bras in a galaxy far far away <laughs> I thought but, Lucas told her that to make her not wear one who's who's to say who's I just remember say? there's a st- story involving Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher with <laughs> with uh, talking about like bras <laughs> and and a gas humanoids far, far. don't wear them maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's maybe so maybe, uh, maybe the the do. Uh, so, who, <laughs> not who the knows? one in Return of the Jedi, but that's another story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that reminds me that there was that was another one of the Easter eggs as they're walking through that that like uh, shop area. There there is Leia's outfit from Return of the Jedi, uh, chilling out on the back there, like her her uh, Jabba the Hutt <laughs> bikini is is back there in that spot. So. I was, I, I liked how uh, how much fun Ardman had with placing a bunch of like those little tiny Easter eggs. It, like it wasn't distracting; it was just kind of like to fill the space. Um, and I liked that if you watch the if you watch through the credits in that too, there's just kind of this like funny joke with like Wedge and Tilly's talking more about his merch over over the credits of that one too. Yeah, so that's I, funny. I, just, I was like. Wedge and Tilly's out there really, really pushing that, that <laughs> Tilly's merch. So I, I, I thought that was pretty great about this one. I mean, if you think about it, Star Wars is it's a great commercial. Yeah. So it's a play on that. Uh, was what was some of the uh, the stuff from the making up for this one, Stanford? They were, I think, having so much fun. You know, with uh, clearly. Uh, adding the humor but you know they were really they were intent on making an interesting mother daughter story uh you know and of course it's titled i am your mother based off of the very famous you know i am your father uh and and they were just wanting to make that you know interesting and and meaningful yet still keep the same kind of signature uh ardman humor and uh I know that they, like the director was very stressed about it, 
but I think that I think that I thought I was successful. Um, I, I I I really did like the mother daughter relationship, and and every, just everything about it worked. I thought it was a lot of fun, and and I appreciated that they included a comedy, kind of this full on comedy or a comedic episode in all of these mm-hmm. because it's everything else is quite serious. And there's no Jedi in this one. Were there? Not, not in, uh, not in uh, this uh, Iron Man one that I that I recall. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a uh, an Easter egg, but I don't think there's any. it's. It's all just about these, you know, the Force, rather, not even the Jedi. The, the, the mother and the daughter's relationship, mm. and then the daughter kind of learning to believe in herself, and and then also just you know, no understanding that her mother really loves her, uh, even though she's kind of embarrassing to her. <laughs> yeah. That'll happen. Yeah, yeah, happens to everybody. Uh, so <laughs> the the next one is for uh, Journey to the Dark Head from Studio Mer Company Limited uh, from South Korea. Uh, this one was interesting too. This now it's not technically this one confused me. <laughs> an anime because uh, it's from South Korea. It's from China. Korea, yeah. Uh, but it had a very Korea-may? yeah. Okay. <laughs> K pop anime, K anime, K anime, yeah, K anime. There you go. Uh, this one I thought was kind of interesting though too. Which, so like the thing in it too was that Ara says something about like I believe if I go back there and cut off the the dark head, it could change the tide of the war. So, spoiler alert to the end of this short with, uh, basically. <laughs> her kind of vision of that kind of slightly misinterpreted because we end up seeing that with it, that there is a, a dark head that is cut off, uh, but it is not of the statues there. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I liked that kind of like the whole play in this with uh, like prophecy and whatnot, like that we've seen uh, before, like in other like Star Wars like films, obviously, you know, with Anakin like being the chosen one, uh, and then just uh, just like how that's been kind of shown in the films previously with that. Now, what did you what did you guys like from from this short in particular at Stanford, and then Mike? You know, I thought visually it was just so interesting. And I think, you know, Mike had, Mike had hit upon this earlier, but such an interesting setting, you know, for a, for a Star Wars story, kind of like you would, something you just wouldn't expect. I thought that, I think my probably my favorite part was the, uh, when they were showing the show and just uh, how that dance was animated and with all that, those, that incredible costume and, uh, it just I was I I was really taken by the animation and then also just the uh, uniqueness of the story and the setting. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Did we move on to Spy Dancer? Or are we still talking about Journey to the Dark Head? Journey to the Dark Head. Oh, that was. Oh, we're on me. Journey to the Dark Head. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm jumping. <laughs> That's why I was like, he's answer. talking about dancing and a play. Oh, I'm like, oh my I'm bad. Lost even more when I watch Journey of the Dark Head. No, I'm so sorry. I was, I was, <laughs> I was jumping ahead. Uh, Journey I, to the Spy Dancer. Yeah, Journey to the Spy Dancer. I'd rather talk about the Spy Dancer. Let me just say, I thought I liked the lightsaber <laughs> battle in Journey, in Journey to the Dark Head. 
Uh, yeah, that was really. Cool. He had some kind of like scorpion tail thing that was yeah. interesting with that. Which was really interesting. So I, I thought that that one looked great. I, I didn't just love this one, and so maybe that's why I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> Same. Like I struggled with this one. Sorry. It was very very high concept, and I was just like trying to understand it, and I was like, uh, this is more like a showcase of animation. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Anyway, sorry, guys. My bad. No worries. Uh, the <laughs> I did like the the voice acting in this too, especially with uh, Ashley Park and Daniel Day Kim. Uh, who people yeah, they got as... like like some really cool, you know. Uh... Yeah, Daniel Day Kim was the the Sith in this. He he's used to playing a bad guy now recently because he's going to be like the live action version of like the Fire Nation uh, Lord in the the last airbender tv series and he was a voice in the <laughs> last airbender series too yeah uh but so it was cool to i was like i recognize that that voice and it's like that sounds like Jin. um but, yeah so and then like ashley park's voice sounded familiar too just because she does a lot of uh voice acting and different things that i've watched so i was like why so like I had a pause while I was watching that and like look up who's doing the voice acting in this one, mm. um, but yeah like like you're saying I did I I did really like the uh, like visual and style and, like the production design for this one too. Uh, it was this one was I think kind of closest to uh, I don't know if you watched it in volume one Mike but there was the the twins. Uh, short that yes. they did. It reminded me of that too, Mark. I don't remember it. I think I watched it, but I just don't remember it. Yeah, that one. That one was also, I think, like outside of the the just Gordon Levitt uh, Java punk rock band short. That was like the most anime of the anime styles mm -hmm. in that in that first volume, too. Um, but with this one, was there any? Uh, behind the scenes stuff for the making of this one before we move on to the spy answer you know, Sanford. It was really interesting to see, you know, because again, all of these all of these documentary filmmakers were going to these, you know, they went to the studios and all, you know, around the world. And at Studio Mirror in Seoul, Korea, uh, they all were just really serious. And I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just, you know, you go you look at some of these other studios and it's just kind of what you'd expect. Like just a creative space and you know kind of big personalities you know that are working on these movies and or these shorts at studio mirror they were all just just like i mean they were all very polite and 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 clearly good at their craft but i just felt like okay this is a serious place like these people <laughs> and maybe it's just a cultural thing you know uh but uh maybe yeah. that was that was that was really this is something that i really noticed that it didn't kind of have this whole kind of creative uh, energy it was mm -hmm. more they just seemed like they were all like you know business people that were doing right. animation you know that were good artists <laughs> makes me think of like shows like the simpsons and stuff where for before they switched to computers and they were doing the acetate drawings they would hire studios in like korea and have thousands of workers doing that stuff yeah day in and day out just to get it done in time hmm. yeah so, and then the next one uh, that we already kind of touched on a little bit that was the Spy Dancer, <laughs> uh, yeah. which uh, was done uh, by Studio La Cachette in France. Uh, 
Uh, and the other thing that was kind of cool with these two is just because they were from the, the different like geographic locations around the world uh, was when they did uh, have voice acting for them that was uh, specific to... It seemed like they did try to do it specific to that region because Daniel Day Kim is Korean. Um, so that fits with like the, the voice acting for the, like the South Korea uh, voices for that. So I, I believe like even when it was in English for it, uh, it was somebody from that region where the, the short was animated at. So like, it was interesting to hear like, I like Irish accents and, you know, mm -hmm. British yeah, accents it adds to the French accents in all of these. It's like what 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 part of the the galaxy sounds French? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at the films, everyone's either British, American, yeah. or alien. Yeah, all all the bad guys in the the nineteen seventies films are all British. And in the eighties, they were Russian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, what, what did you guys like the the most about the Spy Dancer? I already said my. <laughs> I'm like, I like, like I mentioned earlier, it had that slice of life feel, where it's like this is what people are doing to get by, so they don't get shot or whatever. The fact that the stormtroopers are taking their helmets off and going to a show oh, is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, then it added that again, another layer to the story of the bad guy, where they're taking kids. I mean, we know Mandalorians kind of take kids, the Jedi kind of take kids. Like, everyone's taking kids. In this galaxy um but i was just like then they had this whole story where she's throwing these trackers out while she's dancing had the flashback i guess the whole story overall had so many layers in such a short time and it all yeah. worked i was just like although the one i don't know if it was her daughter or sister or whoever that secondary dancer who saved her was that wasn't really clear to me that one I think it was, was just, just meant like, to be <laughs> like kind of like a surrogate daughter since her right. her son had been taken. She was kind of she was filling like a motherly role to mm -hmm. that that character. Um, yeah, like w with this, the other thing I liked about all of these shorts too is that they're they kind of take place at different points in time, like within uh, the Star Wars timeline. Uh, so like this one had like some KX droids in there. People better know them as like what K2SO is. Uh, so mm -hmm. it was cool to see them like within this animation style up here. Uh, like in her spoiler alert, what ended up being like her her kidnapped son is kind of you know yeah. dressed like in the same well, regalia. What we're supposed to believe is her kidnapped son. Yeah, yeah, it is. It probably yeah. most likely is her kidnapped son, but yeah, and like it, it kind of looks like he's like in the same regalia as like Krennic was like within mm -hmm. like Rogue One and stuff. Um, if anything, that storyline, if it was well received enough, could get some type of like spin-off show. Yeah. There was yeah, some the way it was framed. There's some stuff from volume one too that I'd really like to see like a continuation of that story. So so I do and I know that like all of the stuff in both of these, since they're anthology series, is it's like non canon to yeah. Star Wars. Like especially I'm your mother. Um <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it, it would be because like the same way that Marvel has like the what if animated yeah. series, it it would be cool. Because uh, this hey, isn't Captain necessarily Carter came back. 
Yeah. So it's like this isn't necessarily like a Star Wars what if, but they could do that with like Visions Volume Three. Like mm. if if somebody from some part of the world wanted to do a short that was about Anakin not having fallen to the dark side <laughs> and like a story like set like after that or something. He loses like, the race. <laughs> yeah, they could do that if they wanted to. Uh but yeah, I like you're saying I, I, I really liked how the story was in this. Uh because like you're saying it's, it's a very powerfully done story too like with like the way like her her child is kidnapped uh as a baby uh, and you see like you see like these very powerful flashbacks in here too that mm. are animated really I'm a well sucker for a good flashback so. <laughs> yeah and that can convey the yeah like kind of like what she's going through within that at that point and just like the the way that it was beautifully animated just like with like the moving of like uh, like the ribbons and like like the flowing mm. like through like the air and whatnot with that. I thought that was done uh visually like really well. And, and I, I loved the spaceship at the end. Oh yeah. With oh, the yeah, TIE fighter parts and all yeah that. like the TIE fighter like wings kind of being like the on the sides of it. I thought it was cool. Um yeah so it would be interesting to see like what they could do like with the continuation of the story on this one too. That that would be pretty cool. Again, uh, and layers it, that it's adding to this universe that we could see used elsewhere, like the rebels building a ship out of the spare parts. Yeah, and then again, it, like it, it shows just like how basically like racist the empire is too. <laughs> the fact that the that that dude had to basically shave his horns down, and he's got to wear the eye patch to cover up the two different eyes, hmm. and then that even like shows more like how I, it's not, I guess kind of like impressive it is that Thrawn was able to like get to the status that he was within like the Empire with him like looking different from like all of uh, mm. pretty much everybody else in on like the you know like the Galactic Empire being like old white dudes um, <laughs> so um, so it's it is interesting I, and I liked the like the kind like the different stuff they did do with the story in here too was there the last thing about it was the stormtroopers came in all shapes, genders, and sizes and colors. Yeah. Like they had female stormtroopers, fat stormtroopers, like you don't see that in anything else. Everyone everything else is just a uniform. Everyone's the same. Like yeah. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, I liked that as well too. I I know in universe the whole reason it's usually uniform is because the Empire is like very cheap. And yeah, only has it's... one one mold for the mold. the arm for the armor, so everyone's got to fit that mold, literally yeah. and figuratively. Um, oh, I, I always took it as a Nazi esque thing where they got to have blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot tall. Yeah, meet this yeah. frame. That's the perfect yeah. soldier. Was there was there any cool uh, behind the scenes stuff for this one, Stanford? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me was, uh, you know, clearly the studio, you know, uh, the Studio La Cachette is in Paris, and these people that work there are, you know, primarily French or you know Parisians, and they took a lot of inspiration for this short from Paris itself. So what they did with the uh, designs of the buildings, you know, the architecture and then the interiors, it yeah. was just like, um, you know, Parisian architecture and Star Wars had a baby, and you know, it was it was that, and and. Uh, I, I thought that was another thing that I really enjoyed about watching the short too, mm. is just that 
the 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 interpretations of kind of these classic uh, Star Wars environments uh, made to look French. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So cool, uh, cool thing, you know, world cinema again. Uh, you know, in the Star Wars universe, I, I thought that was cool. Nice. And then, so the next one after this was the animated short from India uh, with uh, 88 Pictures, The Bandits of Galak. Uh, now, kind of talked about it a little bit already, like just kind of how like the cultural influence of India uh, definitely really seeped in to, to this short specifically, I thought. Uh, what did you guys think of The, the Bandits of Galak? Uh, Mike in the wasn't my favorite. <laughs> I enjoyed it because of the different animation style and the cultural influence, but I unfortunately don't remember much about it. So if that tells you anything, yeah, I'm the same. I, I I was really I really enjoyed the visuals, but I think that I was still focused on looking at the visuals. That I, it was one of yeah. those that I also just the plot kind of went by the wayside. Uh, so I, I probably will have to you know either rewatch it again if I want to be serious about it, but it, uh, it, it, it looked, it looked great. And again, I did the same thing, you know, I'm a broken record. It was just like world cinema meets star Wars. And it's really, it was, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's it added layers to the universe. Yeah. Not everything looks the same that we've seen so far. Either. What did you think of the story, Mark? Did, did it, uh, stay with you <laughs> better than it did with me <laughs> yeah i mean like with it i i liked it uh like the basically it was like kind of like the like the older brother younger sister uh kind of story that they had with it and it was it was a story of kind of like he was trying to protect her because he knew that she had the like had a strong link to the force uh so that if like she was found out by uh like any of the like with the empire and mm-hmm. whatnot like that she would be taken and it kind of reminded me of like what we saw in obi-wan too like with uh like the path in that like when he was trying to get leia uh back uh to, to alderaan in that it seemed like i don't know if it's necessarily the same thing but with uh a similar type of uh, the path adjacent type of thing going on within this with uh, like with the the woman like the older woman that they they find uh, in the city they get to at the end of her and like her cane is like the the double lightsaber she's got to take on an inquisitor in that too mm-hmm. that and that inquisitor had like the I don't know it, it seemed like it was a voice box kind of thing too because after she <laughs> sliced it like he was still talking yeah but i also think that's also like a an india influence too because i know like uh like within like india culture isn't there i don't know like like the rings yeah like forgive like magnets but i know like there is like you know like with the rings that are worn like around like the neck like that so i I i'm assuming that was like some cultural reference within that like it's an african tribe that might be close to india i know that much possibly but yeah, I liked that, and I just liked like the older uh, woman, like elder in that that city had like the the cane, like double saber, and she took that dude out. Um, I like then, the hidden lightsabers that everyone's been introducing in these series. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like like Lucius Malfoy's like wand within like his 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 cane. Yes, uh, who 
was also an inquisitor well a voice of an inquisitor uh an inquisitor kind of in harry potter too yeah about it it's true death eater inquisitor they're all the same uh but yeah i i mean i liked that kind of stuff with it uh this like this could be a one that they could do like a cool continuation of like with like what could come after where this one ends so i thought that was interesting um, was there, there anything cool with like the the making of with, with this one, Stanford, that you, you know, can remember? It, honestly, it's just like what we've talked about. If, as I recall, if I'm remembering correctly, these this studio was so stoked to be able to work on this project <laughs> with Lucasfilm, and they were just loving. And Lucasfilm just gave them a lot of leeway. I mean, they gave everybody a lot of leeway. You know, it's just like to let them be as creative as they wanted to mm. be, and you know, hence this really. Again, feels like this. This was this is Indian Star Wars, and right. And uh, how cool is that? You know, so uh, um, if it were canon, I probably they probably have been like, no, you got yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think they'd have a little tighter, uh, yeah, uh, control of it over it. But they uh, anyway, it was and again, it was just cool to see you know this office and and, and uh, these these uh, these you know. Indians work, working on uh, work, work, working on this film. Nice. Yeah, and if anything, well, like with this, like with these shorts, uh, like with Volume One, it, it made me seek out like some of the animation studios that I hadn't heard of before, and try to find like some of their other work that, like that was outside of Star Wars, to uh, just to see how that was. Uh, so uh, with volume two I was, i'm gonna try to do the same like because obviously i already we already kind of knew like about cartoon saloon and ardman those like those i think those are probably like the most well-known or popular well known from... at least like north american audiences right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah so... i'm sure these other studios who aren't as well known were that's part of the whole reason why they're so stoked is the platform is huge for them yeah yeah which is cool so like, great yeah and then the next one was the pit, uh, which was the uh, the dark shit Tahoe. Very dark one. Very dark. Uh, yeah, Ooh, uh, from dark. Japan, which was done in conjunction with Lucasfilm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. This one was very, very, very dark. Uh, this one <laughs> was one of the two that had like that really focused around kyber crystals. That I don't think that it was supposed to be. But it visually looked very similar to Lethal, like with the city that they they end up building up as they're digging that pit, and you see the the city off in the the distance. I didn't. That part of it, I was I thought it was just like a city for like my ignorance it was like oh that it's a mining city that's what they built, and I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought I just thought that was kind of interesting. I because that's the first that's kind of a first time we've seen like a. Like a hyperlapse kind of mm. uh, storytelling thing with like how they did that with like showing the passage of time and the buildup of the city with that. So I thought that was cool. Uh, with it being called the pit too, like when he goes to the the city and is trying to get people to help them uh, with the kyber crystals and whatnot. I did not, uh, I guess, expect the result. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, or yeah, or the result of what would end up. I mean, stormtroopers are space cops. So, you mean him being yossed into the pit to his death? 
Yeah, we got freaking like Gerard Butler in 300 into the. <laughs> that was nuts. I was like, oh, okay, he's a he's alive still. Oh no, never mind. Nope, he's gone. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they just threw him in there. He's he's still good. And then they cut to like them covering. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I guess he's not all right. He's not going to be in Rush Hour three. Um, but <laughs> yeah, one so... thing that I like thought was strange was he made that announcement in the city. Nobody seemed to care. And then they're just like yelling in the pit and that drew them out. Or did they like actually care and fall, walk out there? Like I didn't like, I missed that connection. I don't know. It's it was very the, dark. I got to get in the again. pit and try to love someone. Stick it in the pit. Um, we felt <laughs> it was just like pit. so dark and added layers to the empire that we knew that they were bad. And it's just the fact that they enslaved people, made them dig a hole to mine crystals, and then were just like, bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one. Not even the... bye, just like, we're going to stand up here and guard it and just ignore you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there any anything in the like the making of this that stood out like with like the story that they wanted to tell for this one at all yeah this one has a really interesting story so uh this the short originated with with a guy who works at lucasfilm he is he manages uh the video and audio assets of uh you know he's like like basically works like in the archive right uh like a librarian you know sort of thing they showed him yeah you know in his workspace which is just you know stacks of stuff mm-hmm. and he's looking at film it's a pit. Going, <laughs> yeah but uh, but you know he's um uh a black guy his name is leandre thomas and it was like he grew up in san francisco it was his lifelong goal to work at lucasfilm and he got a job there and you know he's been there i guess he's been there for like a decade and uh he had this idea about this story, you know, called the pit. And I, uh, he was through, you know, he kept pitching it to his management and, and he was pretty, I guess, just kind of persistent with it. And he was able to get a meeting with Kathleen Kennedy and, and she greenlit it, you know, as soon as, you know, he presented it to her and it's a good story. So I'm yeah, to it is. It's a compelling story. And yeah, and, and forgive any of our jokes too, because we're just trying to break levity with it with how dark yeah, the, the short was dark and super serious, right? Um yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but they so they they you know decided to collaborate with this with this uh dark shiacho or however you say that studio that's in that's in uh, Japan. And yeah. but it was really it was it was through both you know both uh lenses. But yeah, through both you know Lucasfilm headquarters and and then hmm. this this uh, the uh, animation studio in Japan. So I thought that was a really cool story. They talked to this, to uh, Leandre a lot in this you know in that in that segment as he as he goes through a story. He ended up being I think one of the voices. Um, hmm. But anyway, Dave Filoni you know was one of his yeah. cheerleaders on it too. So they talked to Dave Filoni. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I that that story was was quite unique because mm. if anything, it seemed to me that Lucasfilm was letting everybody else kind of just come up with their own stories, and this one, you know, just happened to come from within. 
Nice. All right, and then yeah, makes the you think last... how many uh, pitches Kathleen Kennedy's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> or to even get a meeting with her, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so the, the last one was done by Triggerfish from South Africa is Ayu's song. Uh, this is another one that had a deal with kyber crystals. Uh, and mm. it was like the, yep. the whole kind of thing about it was um, it's like on a planet where they're basically purifying the the kyber crystals there that have all basically been tainted by Sith. Um, so they're <laughs> Sith. like, re, yeah, they're like repurifying them from being red crystals back to being pure kyber crystals again at that point. This one was interesting too, with just like the the visual style styling and production design to it. With it felt um like I don't know if anyone's ever played like Little Big Planet, uh, but where it's like feels like everything is kind of made out of like yarn and like patchwork mm -hmm. and like felt. And this, I mean, it's definitely this one is definitely like CG animation, but it was done to feel. Yeah, they really wanted it to feel. Yeah. At first, I thought it was the same people who made the "I Am Your Mother" one. Yeah. For a, like a little bit. It has a really similar look. Now, what did you what did you guys think of of this one in particular, uh, Mike and then Stanford? It was so so for me. Uh, it's it, it was an interesting concept that the Sith tainted all these crystals and they need to be purified. Like that, maybe that's why they have all the red lightsabers, is whatever the heck they're doing to the crystals. Um, I don't know. Again, it was one of those ones where I don't remember much about it after watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I same same thing. I thought visually it had you know, right. a unique look, but and and I and I liked the idea. You know, the concept mm -hmm. was was pretty cool. But yeah. I can really give you like a play by play yeah, of each one of the sequences. <laughs> you know, I remember the concept animated beautifully, but yeah, I remember <laughs> the extras, you know, much more than I do the actual. <laughs> what was interesting about this one too is that it had the most kind of like preamble setup to it with like a backstory that it gave you at the, the, mm. at yeah. the front of the thing that I thought was interesting. So you kind of had like all of the in and outs of what yeah, they did the going credit, on. like. They should have done the scrolling credits. Come on. Yeah, I guess scrolling titles. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I again like I liked the like the visual style for this one. I thought the kind of like the the use of music for this one was interesting as well, too. Mm -hmm. Uh but uh I I'd probably have to to finish watching it again too. Yeah, you were just watching it before we started. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I had, I had to try to work in watching all, all nine of these, and they were they were all like twenty. To like no, I, I feel you. I had the same issue. But, but yeah, I, I I mean I had liked what I had saw so far with it. So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting concept. It was just you get caught up in the visuals, and you're like, oh wait, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, uh, and what. Was there anything cool about the behind the scenes for this one, Stanford? You know, I think they focused a lot a lot on the relationship of the co-directors. So it was a man and a woman that both work at Triggerfish and you know, they're both, they're both uh, South African and uh, but neither of them, I don't know how big the studio is, but neither of them had worked together before. They didn't really know each other. But uh, after um, the dude read this, I guess so, 
her name is Nadia Darius. I looked it up. Uh, she wrote the, the kind of initial treatment for it. And then Daniel Clark saw this and just immediately loved it. And, and they just, uh, you know, they just got put together to, to, uh, to, co- to co-direct it. So it was kind of, there was a lot of discussion about kind of how the two of them learned to work together and how they, how they were able to pull the whole thing off. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was interesting, you know, just just uh, almost just more about their relationship than it was about the. So short, although the I, subtext they did... there that yeah. uh, they no. were fighting a lot, and <laughs> I wonder, you know, uh, <laughs> but they did show they had created some models of of both the you know the the, the dad and the girl, at least particularly the you know the, the young girl, and they had had you know used of course the felt and all the different fabrics and stuff the leather um to help as they were building the 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 cg model um so that was you know again kind of cool to see because you really as we already talked about it it really looks like it could be uh stop motion you know the 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 real the realism that they brought to particularly i thought to the materials um but anyway yeah, and if, if you guys haven't uh, played or know of Little Big Planet, look it up and, and you kind of see like what my comparison is. It, or it's uh, like, or if you've seen the uh, the movie Nine, remember the movie Nine with Elijah Wood? Yeah, it's k- kind of like that kind of styling with it too. Uh, it's not like the Trolls movie. <laughs> no, I mean that's I guess still, that's kind of similar, but uh, so like. <laughs> Elijah, like the Elijah Wood movie nine, Earth, where it's like a character that's like made out of like burlap, kind of. Are you talking about the video game Little Big Planet? Yeah, but then like oh. nine, it's kind of like this like similar thing where it's like, yeah, or it's like in the like the like this burlap kind of world. That's like the visual kind of reminded me of that a little bit, um, but. Yeah, uh, so like overall, I remember I, that movie now. I, I, I saw that movie September 9th, 2009, at the 9 p.m. showing. <laughs> How could you never, yeah, you can never forget that. Yeah, right? I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to see this movie, I'm going to see it 999 uh, nine, 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 at 9. It's <laughs> like when that Omen remake came out in 2006, I saw it June 6th of 2006 at the 6 p.m. showing. That kind of ruined nice. it because then there's four sixes there. <laughs> nice. Got some ju- good juju back. Yeah. Uh, so that does it for our our discussion and the breakdown of all nine of these. Was there like any kind of uh, kind of last words that you wanted to say about any of these at all, or like what you'd want to see from like a volume three? Now that they've kind of done both anime and then global animation throughout the the two volumes of these so far i'd like to see more global i would too i'd like to see more global don't, don't stick to anime because yeah i think you're hindering yourself okay. it'd be cool to see like animation from like canada um, yeah brazil you mean um, paw patrol That's italy from canada. yeah, yeah. <laughs> with former animation fascination uh guest cal brunker directed the the paw patrol movie so you can get that style and the TV show style. They have two different Paw Patrol styles. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, like I'll, yeah, there's like all these other, like countries they haven't gone to yet that they could do for a volume three. It seems and, like there are a lot of opportunities, you know. Yeah, and I, they could do something like a what if for it too. It's like they have mm-hmm. they obviously they have all like these original stories. They could, uh, I like I think the Ardman one is like the closest to using pre-existing characters for any of these. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. with like with wedge. And Wedge, Wedge and Tilly's has been the biggest character that has been used in it in any of these that existed already. Uh, yeah. So I mean that shows like where they, they've only kind of just snuck in the door just a yeah. tiny bit to to use like what they can from pre existing stuff there. So I think it would be interesting to see what happens uh, with with a volume three if they do a volume three. So yeah. uh, that's gonna do it for episode. 105 of animation fascination with our crossover with the hold of maneuver uh don't forget that you can follow us all individually on twitter uh i'll have all the information in the show notes both here on youtube and on whatever podcast catcher you're listening to us on or if you're watching us here on youtube thank you uh also you can find us on all the social media places uh <laughs> that, yes that you find people on like facebook and instagram uh those are both animation fascination and then twitter is animated podcast uh because animation fascination is too long to use as a handle on twitter um mm-hmm. and then uh feel free to email us at animation fascination podcast at gmail.com visit our website animationfascination.net, uh where you can find every episode we've ever done there well 89% of all the episodes we've done there. Uh, Animation Fascination merch is there too. Trent Factor edits our episodes. Uh, I'm Mark Bibbert. Oh, wait, one last thing. Also, if you're going to be in Phoenix uh, this next week, I'm just going to say, yes. Phoenix yes. Fan Fusion, uh, Animation Fascination will have a panel there at noon on Saturday, June 2nd. Uh, so, that should be should be interesting. So that'll be episode uh, one oh six of Animation Fascination. Um, so look forward to that soon. That'll be be a little bit different, just just because of how that'll all go down. Uh, I know Stanford's looking to to seeing what I'm happens very anxious with that to watch too. it. Sadly, I can't be there, but I'm just going to be cheering you on. I'm so stoked. Well, if it goes it. if it goes well, we'll hopefully have one again next year and then yes. also that'll lead to us getting a hold of one next year then too and then maybe mike can make it up for that one too and then we, oh, i'd be there then we we have an animation fascination panel and a hold of maneuver panel and the coolest and then everybody wins uh so everybody wins <laughs> yeah uh so again yeah we'll be at phoenix fan fusion june 2nd at noon uh the only bummer there is if you do like the actor Grant Gustin and you like The Flash, it is exactly at the same time as his panel, oh. which I found out, which is a bummer for me because I wanted to go to I was going to gonna that, say, that's a panel that you panel. probably would want to go to, right, Mark? Yeah, I was like, why couldn't it have been a panel that I didn't want to go to that yeah. was at the same time as my panel? That's a first bummer. Time. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but I'm Mark Fibbert. So for myself, Stanford Clark, and our guest, Mike Soren, Thank you for listening and make sure to tune in again next time or join us in person at Phoenix. Later, everyone. <laughs>